and welcome to Adventures in North Wales from Go North Wales. I'm Ekan Llyn and in this episode we're exploring the fascinating area of Hiraithog. Around 375 square kilometres of North Wales running from Betos in the west to Ruthin in the east and encompassing Mynydd Hiraithog, the Hiraithog Mountain and the stunning Denby Moors. This episode is brought to you by Clochainog Forest Wind Farm Fund, supporting communities within Conwy and Denbyshire to accomplish amazing things. The Hiraithog region is packed with fantastic scenery and amazing activities, so let's find out more. We'll meet some huskies that race around the forest trails here. They can meet the dogs, they can interact with the dogs, they can expect husky hugs, they can expect... <sighs> husky um, hugs, yeah. that sounds incredible. We'll also take a peek from a distance at the ospreys nesting around Llynbrennig. There's seven nests now in Wales, but we're the only one in the northeast. And, you know, it is just an education for people to come and visit and watch them. And we're learning so much about the behaviour. But first, let's discover more about the history of the area from the local expert on this part of North Wales, Avion Jones. Hello, Avion Stachy. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. When people think about North Wales, they'll probably have an image in the heads of Eryri, Snowdonia. But the Hiraithog region is just next door and is every bit as beautiful. And there's plenty going on here, isn't there? I agree with you entirely, yes. Um, They should really come and visit Hiraithog. There's just so much going on here. It's a really nice name, isn't it? You've got really, really rich names here. Yes, and I believe it comes from... The Welsh word for gorse, and it just describes the area. It's an area of moorland with gorse, uh, heather, and uh, that sort of vegetation. So how long have you lived here? I have lived here now 21 years. I was born in Llansanan, Mm -hmm. and I lived here until I was 21, moved away, and I moved back when I was 55. So now I've spent more time in Wales than over the border. Oh, good. So tell us about Hiraithog. It used to be an official district, didn't it? Uh, yes, at one time. Um, yeah, Hiraithog was part and parcel of the old Clwyd, yeah. uh, Denbyshire, mm-hmm. and it's the, the English name for it is Denby Moors. Um, they, it contains the highest pub in Wales, Brintrichin, mm-hmm. um, otherwise known as the Sportsman's Arms. <laughs> yeah. Also, Gwilva Hiraithog is just above the Sportsman's Arms. Um, it was Lord Davenport's um, a shooting lodge, so yeah. he could entertain his friends um, shooting grouse. And Manithiraithog was really, really rich in grouse going back into the 19th century. Lloyd George used to come and stay there, uh, friends of his and other MPs. Unfortunately, the place has deteriorated and it is just sheer ruin now. And from a landscape point of view, with Manithiraithog, the mountain and the Denby Moors, it's very different to Eriri, isn't it? Oh, it's not ragged or rugged. Um, you don't have outcrops of um, steep rock face. No, this is uh, more gently uh, undulating by far and um, covered in vegetation, whereas uh, Eriri is um, sheer stone, uh, which sticks out in blue. Uh, this is now colour. Uh, you've got all sorts of colour there from the heather to the gorse to the grass um, and obviously the thousands of sheep that are on yes. there. <laughs> it's a very rural area. 
but it isn't difficult to travel around. You can pretty much be anywhere in Hirithog in about half an hour, 40 minutes. Less than that. I Even mean, less. from here to Abigale to get to the A55 is just on a good day. It's 15 minutes, 20 minutes tops and you're on the A55. And um, to get to the A5 now with the, um, the new road, yeah. through the Brennig, mm. it's um, tremendous. You can be in Kerrigoridion again in 15 minutes. Yeah. Where do you think, then, Evian, we should visit while we're here in Hirithag? Um Obviously, I'm biased. You've got to visit St. <laughs> Sanan, yes. um, St. Sanan's Church. Um, we're right on the Pilgrim's Way here. And should you be on the Pilgrim's Way with your passport, you go in the church and you get it stamped. You ought to visit um, um with mountain biking, um, tracks in the wood, excellent um, catering facilities, car parking facilities, and also play area for um, the little ones there. Children love it. Um, the other little villages around would be um, Gwytherin, Panditidir, Llangernu. Obviously, there's the stag in there, and there's also the uh, Sir Henry Jones Museum in um, Llangernu, and you'll find lots of interesting things there about um, bygone Wales and obviously Cindy Gynes Church in Llangernu has the probably the oldest tree in Wales in there they believe it to be something between four and five thousand years old um, you've got the Riga State um, on the A5 going um, east towards Llangollen and uh, that is quite an attraction now with a farm shop um, and you can visit around the farm. He keeps bison, which is quite an attraction. There's also the Rig Church or chapel, um, the other side of the road. That's a very interesting place to go. And also you can spend and buy uh, meat produced on the estate and other produce um, produced locally in the farm shop. Well, we'll definitely be heading that way a bit later. But in the meantime, let's get on the road to the western edge of Hirithog, because right at the border with Eruri, there's probably the most unusual place to catch some sleep. Diolch galon, Avion, thank you so much for chatting with us. Dim problem, diolch chi. Let's begin our road trip. We're travelling west to east across Hiraithog and we're going to start at Go Below, the ultimate underground adventure near Conway Falls, just outside Betos Akoid. With me is Mike Morris. Hi, Mike. Hiya, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Good, good. Thanks for having us. You are the operations manager here. So there's something very new that we're here to find out about. But before we get onto that, Give us a quick description of what people can get up to here at Go Below. So we take customers into abandoned Victorian slate mines and we run adventurous trips with them. So we've got uh, stuff like climbs, abseils, zip wires, traverses, all sorts of cool stuff like that, all underground, all in the dark, uh, designed to kind of challenge people and put them out of their comfort zone a little bit. Wow. Well, it's a brilliant place, isn't it? Last time we were here, um, you took us into the mines and it was amazing. I still remember it to this day, but you have something new and it's definitely something very unusual. It is unusual. Uh, it's something called deep sleep. And what we've done, it's a bit crazy, but we've built four cabins in 
the deepest accessible point in the UK. Uh, so it's actually the deepest accommodation in the world. No way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's over in our mine in Tanagrishai called Kamorthin. So wait, hang on. You People can spend the night in the mines in a cabin. They can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, paint me a picture of what this looks like then. Okay, so if do you... Do they have duvet covers? They do have duvet <laughs> covers. It's very luxurious down there. <laughs> so if you imagine a, an open chamber, and um, what we've done is we've built a, a nice decked area and we've put kind of uh, cabins, four cabins on uh, on the decking there. So it's a really, really cool space. It looks really awesome. And there's some lights in there. There's a little kitchen area. There's a communal kind of uh, bench that people can sit on and have their food. There's a nice pond in there. A pond? There's some toilet facilities. <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, getting the timber down there was a bit of a, a bit of a mission, but uh, yeah, we've uh, we finished building it and yeah, it looks incredible. Wow. And you mentioned it's the deepest place anywhere that you can spend the night. How deep are we talking? So we're talking 1,375 feet below the surface. So it is it is very deep. <laughs> very deep, yeah. But what sort of people want to spend the night underground, do you reckon? Lots of people seem to want to spend the night underground. We are kind of pitching towards the, the more adventurous type. So as I mentioned, it's very deep underground. We haven't concreted the floors or anything like that or put any artificial lighting in on the route down to deep sleep. Um, so it is definitely an adventurous trip in order to get there. So it's not a case of just kind of wandering in and you're at the accommodation. So there's lots of um, scrambles and uh, little kind of technical things to sort of climb over. Nothing, nothing too difficult, but we're definitely pitching towards the kind of adventurous type. And how many layers are we talking that we need to be wearing? Is it cold down there? <laughs> well, when you're moving around, when you're getting to the uh, to the deep sleep, you're going to be pretty warm because like I say, it's pretty, pretty adventurous on the way down. It's going to be about 10 to 12 degrees when you're actually down there. So potentially a little bit chilly. So you're talking kind of, I don't know, maybe sitting outside on a, on a September day or yeah. something like that. There's a little bit of heating in the cabins, okay, um, which yeah. takes the chill off it, keeps them nice and dry. Um, but outside the cabins, when you're sitting in the communal area, for example, having a bit of food, um, then no, there's no heating there. So you're probably talking, you know, a t-shirt, a jumper, and maybe a jacket as well. And um, how long does it actually take to get down there? So it takes a couple of hours. We'd meet our customers outside the mine. We'd then have to walk up to the mine entrance, get kitted up, and then we'd start our descent down into the mountain. The actual trek from the mine entrance to deep sleep itself you're looking at probably an hour and a half or so uh, sometimes we uh, we like to go off route a little bit and show the customers uh, a little bit of history some yeah. of the artifacts as well so it sometimes takes a little bit longer but it's all nice and safe too i imagine you have professionals down there the whole time people are sleeping yeah yeah it's super safe we've got two of our experts down there so they're sort of highly qualified underground instructors so they'll be keeping everybody safe overnight do you get a good sleep down there? I imagine there's not much that could disturb you, maybe a few bats, but although you, you have Wi-Fi there, I've noticed. Yeah, you get a brilliant sleep down there. Yeah, as long as people's phones aren't pinging. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, you really do. You get a great sleep. It's quiet, but you've got the odd drip and you've kind of got this ambient noise and it's really relaxing. And of course, it's really dark as well. So you haven't got any kind of unnatural light coming in. It's, you don't uh, need eye masks. You don't need eye masks. No, not at all. <laughs> so you mentioned you have four cabins. What sizes are the parties that go down? So each cabin can accommodate two people. So they've at the moment got two small sort of single beds in. 
which you could push together if you wanted to, so to turn it into a double. And we've also built what's what we call the grotto, which is Ooh. if you, yeah, it sounds cool, didn't it? Yeah. So basically <laughs> you go down this tunnel and what's happened is the miners have sort of driven a, a tunnel and decided for whatever reason that they don't want to go any further. So you've got this 20 meter tunnel that kind of goes off into the back of the chamber and we've turned it into its own accommodation. So rather than being in one of the cabins, you're actually in the rock. So if I did want to book, which I'm definitely wanting to after (laughs) the way you've been talking about it, it's so cool. Where do I need to go to book? So you can head to our website which is www.go-below.co.uk. Or of course, you could give us a ring on 01690 710108. We'd be happy to take a a call and take a booking from you. Fabulous. Mike, thanks so much. Um, I'll definitely be back to spend the night here. I can't wait. I can't wait to tell all my friends about it. And I feel like (laughs) it's probably a real experience, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy. It's a little bit out there, but yeah, it's Completely absolutely brilliant. <laughs> so unique. So yeah, we're really looking forward to uh, to running some trips. Perfect. Dioch, Mike. So from the laid back adventure of deep sleep, let's head for something a bit more adrenaline fueled. We've travelled to Glanagors Park, the home of GYG Karting, and Ash Davis is here with us. Right. What is your job then? You mentioned toilet cleaning and then you mentioned boss. Yes. So, (laughs) yeah. So we're a family run business. So as you can imagine, we've all got to chip in and do all roles. So yeah, one day we could be sort of in a suit and tie greeting the British champs. The next day you're in your scrags cleaning toilets. So yeah, you've just got to take any role that needs doing. Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. Yeah, quite right. Yeah. (laughs) So this outdoor track, it just looks amazing. We're looking out at it now. Why did you choose this part of North Wales for GYG karting? So my family have been in the area for, for generations. My grandfather used to own the farm. It was his mother's before him. And then my father then bought it off him. He was never into farming. Yeah. So to try and diversify, he decided, wow, let's try a karting circuit. So he built this and let's go for it. Never looked back. Yeah. <laughs> and it's developed and grown ever since, really. So for people like me who know very little about karting, I've got to say, what sort of karting do you do here? We do the holiday makers, the tourism um, in the summer periods, but the circuit we have here, we cater for the sort of the higher end of motorsport and especially karting. Although there's a lot of karting circuits about Wales and, and the UK in general, we are one of a very specific group of circuits, even in the world, that can hold such high-end competitions so we hold the British Championships and they come from all over the world to race here because luckily for us in Britain British karting and motorsport is classed as the most competitive in the world so a lot of the the sort of the foreign drivers all come over to the UK to race at the grassroots of karting to develop their skills and then move up on then into single seaters formula one yeah um, wow. yeah it's good so although we do the corporate holiday makers you yeah. can turn up and have a go with your family oh yes yeah we also then do the racing side so yeah we, we cover all bases really so and for the holiday makers you know is it for all ages and karting abilities do you, um, do you reckon abilities yes we actually have the blind veterans come here wow yeah so they have different levels of 
sort of blindness really some of them may have lost sight in one eye some of them might be very very short-sighted so they can only see about a meter in front of themselves mm -hmm. so on the ability side we do try and cater for all people really um they obviously have to have a safety test in the pits before they go out on circuit and if we're happy and that they're competent down there we allow them out on circuit as for ages our minimum age is 11 Right. I know on some circuits they can go on as young as nine or even eight, but because our circuit, it's such a big circuit and the carts that we have are really quick, it has to be 11 years old for our side. Is it the biggest karting track in North Wales? It's the biggest in Wales. In Wales? It's, it's the biggest in Wales. Even further? Yeah, it's the biggest in Wales. It's the second biggest in the UK. Um, we're, we're just four behind the biggest circuit, which is really frustrating. Um, Add a few miles to Yeah, it. we could do. Well, we, we've got plans in the pipeline currently to extend it, um, which if we did, and if we were, cross fingers, planted the permission from the council to do what we would like, yeah. it would make it the biggest in the world, which is Quite a statement for Kerry Goodridge on, I think, to have the biggest karting circuit in the world, yeah. You mentioned that the professionals come here. You mentioned that the holidaymakers are welcome. What else sets you apart from other karting tracks, do you reckon? A massive thing for us is, obviously this is a podcast so you can't see it, but you guys can. If, Describe if, if it you look us. behind, So if you look behind us, for example, now at the circuit, you can see the undulation that the circuit follows. Yeah. Um, a lot of karting circuits they are usually built on old airfields or sort of bigger flat fields, really. Whereas here in Wales, we, we are so lucky to got have the, the hills and the valleys. We've got the hills and the valleys, <laughs> yeah. So we are lucky to be able to build the circuit on the elevation yeah. and sort of follow the flow of the land. And it gives it that characteristic style of driving, which is why a lot of the drivers love to come here. We've been voted by Red Bull as the best circuit in the UK. We've been voted top six in the world. Um, and we were the only circuit in the UK to be in the top six. So can you just turn up and take part or do you need to be part of a group or registered into a competition or anything? No, you can literally as an individual turn up and, and have a go, really. Um, obviously, from our side, we do try and encourage as much as possible people to book through mm. our online booking system yeah, because that guarantees you a slot. What is that website? It's www.gygkarting.com. And you can just come here and be a spectator, can't you? Just watch them go around because you've got great facilities. Yeah, so we've got an on-site cafe which serves actually really nice food, I, I must say. Not not being biased, <laughs> but it, it is actually really Wait, good so food. Wait, so are you the chef as well? Yeah, I am, I am actually the chef on the British Champs weekend, yeah. Really? Yeah, I am. So we cook wow. the, we do all the, because when the British Champs come here, there's about 250 drivers. So they all need mechanics and family. So on an average race weekend there's probably a thousand people a day here for four days so we do all the cooking and so i'm in there at five o'clock doing the breakfasts until lunchtime and then the other girls take over so ash i'm pretty much a beginner well i am a beginner actually at karting yeah. what would you recommend for me uh to come and have a go yeah it's the, it's the, the <laughs> easiest answer i can give you yeah just come give and have a go. go give it a go yeah like anything in life give it a go um we if you came here we provide all the suits the helmets all the kit you would need you just need adequate footwear mm. and yeah you get given a full safety briefing in the upstairs briefing room a practice in the pits before you even go out on circuit to make sure you're comfortable mm. and that we're happy with your ability and then yeah you get time on the circuit so how fast do they go 
Uh, they're pretty quick. They'll oh, do about they? 60, 65 miles an hour. What? So Will the, they? Yeah, they're pretty quick cars. Oh, I didn't expect you yeah. to say that. Yeah, they're pretty quick. The racing ones. Um, so going back to the, the spectator side of it, in June, we've got the British champs coming here. And if you want to come and spectate, please do, because they're awesome they things. They go pretty fast. They will touch nearly 100 mile an hour just towards the end of the straight no yeah they are serious pieces of God, kit you'll blink and you'll miss them You li- yeah you literally <laughs> will yeah they are super quick things yeah well right I'm not going to go 100 miles per hour okay please don't <laughs> can I give it a go of course you can absolutely Fab. yeah <laughs> for letting me have a go I don't think I'll be a pro anytime soon but uh, thanks for showing me the ropes <laughs> no problem at all glad you had a bit of fun and yeah. yeah by all means if you want to come back please do from a petrol driven adrenaline attraction we've headed to an animal driven experience in Hiraithog Joe Swiffen runs Manith Sled Dog Adventures and we're here with some of your dogs now, Joe, I've just said this is going to be so difficult for me to concentrate because look how cute these dogs are. Just to set the scene, um, there's nine puppies, am I right? There's nine puppies here, <laughs> yes. And that's, yeah, who's this jumping on uh, your hip? So this is Marbles. She is a Scandinavian hound. She's the mummy and she's currently trying to punch me in the face with her huge feet, aren't you? <laughs> I just can't concentrate. I can't get over how cute they all are. And they're six weeks old. Six weeks old, six yeah. Weeks yeah. Old. yeah. So... How did you get into dog sledding? Um, Goodness me. I had my first Siberian Husky in 2001. um, And I realised that walkies wasn't enough. Uh, So I needed to do something more appropriate with him. So I started to do sled dog work with him because that's what he was. (laughs) (laughs) And do you actually race with these dogs in, in competitions? I did racing for around... 20 odd years Um, I don't do as much as I'd like to but I did do a race this season and I did a race last season as well oh really (laughs) yeah how did they go um, yeah, we did quite well. The last race that we did, we came fourth in four dog class, uh, six seconds behind the third. Oh. Um, we came second in two dog class and we came second in bike jaw. So where were they held? Were they? Uh, that race was in Dolby Forest in oh. the north of England. Wow. Oh, you can hear the crackling <laughs> of a puppy here. Um, what kinds of dogs do you have here? So what are these ones? These So these are Scandinavian hounds. Yeah. So these are a sled dog hybrid. Right. Um, so they are a crossbreed Alaskan Husky uh, pointer greyhound mix. Okay. Um, we've got one German shorthead pointer. Yeah. Um, he's a rescue. Um, and then we have uh, two Alaskan Huskies and the rest are Siberian Huskies. And how many dogs do you have here in total? At the moment, 26. Um, but they're obviously young puppies. It's because of the nine <laughs> so, litter. Yeah, so, yeah. so we won't be um, keeping all of them. Some of them will go. And which homes. breed um, is the best for dog sledding? It depends on what you prefer. If you want to go really, really crazy, stupidly fast, then the hounds. <laughs> oh, really? Um, but if you want a nice steady but fast run then the Siberian a Sunday stroll yeah Yeah. (laughs) and the dogs they obviously enjoy it yes absolutely yeah it's in their DNA yeah Um, you know you can't really have a sled dog and not let it do do what it wants to do you know of course yeah now this might be a silly question but I'm really intrigued how do you steer the dogs (laughs) 
<laughs> you basically you tell them which way you want them to go, um, and then you steer the rig that you're driving. Right. Okay. Yeah. And how many people can be on a rig? Is it just do they carry um, so just the one person? Or if you're doing a a six dog team ride, mm. then there's a passenger and myself as the driver. Right. And if you're on the three wheeled rig, um, then it's one person. So you've always got experience in this. How? Did you train them? Were you trained on how to train them or? Um, sort of. So when I first started, I guess I had a, a mentor who was um, a guy who was uh, involved with the sled dogs for many, many, many mm. years um, since the 70s. Um, and then I had some fantastic mentors who were up in Scotland mm. who also race a, a big team of sled dogs. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you kind of learn over the years. So I've been doing this for 22 years and then you kind of develop it or I developed it into a business then. The question I really want to know as well is why did you bring dog sledding to North Wales? Because it's, in my eyes, the best idea ever. Well, I mean, we've got beautiful scenery. Of course. Uh, we were here anyway, training the dogs. Mm. So it kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, my husband, he grew up in Blanifestiniog. Oh, we have he? family locally. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it kind of makes sense, really, that you want the best activity in the best part of the world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, North Wales. <laughs> North Wales it is. What can visitors expect then when they sign up for an experience here? They can expect to be, I guess, fully immersed in the in the day of a of a dog musher. Um, so they can come, they can meet the dogs, they can interact with the dogs. Um, they can expect husky hugs. They can expect <sighs> husky um, hugs. Yeah. That sounds incredible. They can expect to hear the dogs when they're really excited yeah. um, to go to work. Um, it's most certainly an adrenaline fueled activity, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got six dogs pulling a big cart yeah. um, and they're not slow. You know, they're pretty yeah. quick. Um, hey, it's really a sort of things you see in films and stuff, doesn't yeah. it? It's yeah. like a dream. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, a dream. There's also a junior academy for the youngsters, am yes. I right? Yeah, so we um, we run a junior academy. That's mm. really exciting, actually. It's a really good project. Yeah. Um, so I've done two seasons of that now. The first season that we did, we ran... Um, Dryland rig, uh, so basically where we teach the kids how to ride a three-wheeler. Um, they learn about dog welfare, dog care, sled dog sports, and then we teach them how to ride the rig, and then they progress over a period of basically six months over winter, oh, wow. um, learning to work with the dogs themselves. Um, and we also offered canicross as well, which is basically running with your dog, but your dog is attached. Oh, okay. So the dog yeah. pulls you. Yeah. Um, so we did every kind of fortnight um, through winter. Mm. We had young people coming from actually not just North Wales. You know, we had them coming Further from Cheshire afield, as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, Gwynedd um, area. This year we just offered the Dryland Rig. And then later on this year, when we start again, we'll be offering Canicross and Dryland Rig. So right. we'll be running two teams again. And then the Progress guys who did the courses last, last season, season will come yes. back. Yeah. Of so course. now the Progress team are running the full trail. They're doing four kilometres themselves, by wow. themselves. Yeah. Where can visitors find out more about Manith Sled Dogs Adventures then? Um, so we have a Facebook page, Manif Sled Dog Adventures. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, Manif Sled Dog Adventures. Uh, and then www.manithsleddogadventures.com. So that's M for Mother, Y for Yankee, 
N for, N for November. November. Y for Yankee. Double D for dog. There we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Joe, for chatting with us. I'm just okay here now with all the puppies. I think I'll take over with the puppies. I'm, I'm loving life here, not going to lie. The dogs are so gorgeous. You better count them after yes. I leave, just in case <laughs> I slip the little pockets. puppy. Yeah, the stunning little puppy home with me. Diolch Diolch. This is Adventures in North Wales from Go North Wales. I'm Ekanlin and we're travelling the length of the Hiraithog region in this episode. We're now on the edge of a fantastic body of water. This is Llyn Brenig Reservoir. It is a stunning lake with views all round. Joining me is Nick Kite, Visitor Attraction Manager for Dwr Cymru and Kim Bocato from the North Wales Wildlife Trust. Hi, Nick. Hello, Kim. Good morning. <laughs> so, Nick, I'll start with you. First off, it's very easy to forget that this reservoir is man-made. What is the history behind it? That's right. This is a, a reservoir that was built by that were the predecessors of, of Welsh Water, if you like. It was, it was designed originally not as a, a drinking water supply. Uh, it was designed as a what they call a, a river regulation reservoir. Uh, so it was designed and built in the, sort of the early 1970s. And uh, interesting fact is that, you know, obviously times were different back then. The, during the 70s, there was the um, Arab-Israeli crisis and Yom Kippur War. And that actually had a direct effect on the height of the dam because they were going to pump water up from the decatchment into the reservoir. And then, of course money started to become an issue because the price of oil went up in the in the 70s and they thought mm, we can't afford this anymore so the dam is actually half the height it would have been but hence in the middle of our dam we've got the hump which yeah. is the height it would have been originally and we can all relate to that because of course you know that's an effect of a foreign war on you know things at home which is <laughs> you know, what's happening <laughs> even right now yes yeah and where does it sit on the scale of reservoirs uh, across wales it's a big old lake this is the fourth largest by area in in wales really it's the largest lake that that uh, welsh water operates as well okay um and it, it's also quite an unusual lake in terms of the size of it compared to its altitude being at 400 meters mm. it's pretty high up and where does the water from the reservoir supply then it's only as i mentioned uh, a river regulation reservoir i say yeah. only that's that's it's an important thing yeah um, what it's doing is it's making sure that in the summers when water from the catchment is perhaps taken out elsewhere mm. the drinking water that there is a resupply of the rivers so yeah. that they don't run dry and you know it's running down towards the river d which is an important uh, fishery for salmon brown trout and grayling mm. and it's making sure that that environment stays healthy and, and in good condition of course yeah it is beautiful i've uh, had a walk around it before and it's just such a nice walk but I imagine there are lots of ways for visitors to make use of Llynbrenig. Loads of ways I mean your day like today it's quite easy to see just how peaceful it is you don't have to walk far around Llynbrenig to get a little bit of peace and quiet a spot of calm all to yourself Uh, but there's plenty to do as well Uh, we've got lots of walking trails that are marked or you can cycle them as well we've got our adventure playground just around the corner from the visitor centre there's uh, a cafe, the gift shop, and we hire out bikes uh, as well. 
And uh, our newest attraction to be opening soon is is behind me now, which is called Splash, which Ooh, is a, yes. a waterfall swing. Which I see it. Does, does what it says on the tin. So <laughs> it'll it'll be a swing <laughs> and a waterfall at the same time. And the idea is that uh, the sensors will actually stop the waterfall from sending water down at the point at which you swing through it, and you will swing through a hole in wow. the waterfall. That is so cool. And fishing is very popular, I've heard. This is uh, an internationally renowned fly fishery and we get some of the biggest competitions in, in the country come mm. to here because of it. Um, we've got a, a, a fish farm here which is able to stock uh, a thousand fish a week mm. um, and the, the fish themselves have got a really good reputation as fierce fighting fish which the, the fishermen absolutely love. Um, and uh, They fight so hard that our, we recommend that a minimum breaking strain of 10 pounds is put on leaders which is quite high. Right, okay. Um, so you've mentioned what you can do around the lake, what you can fish in the lake, but there are plenty of activities on the lake as well. I can see someone behind me here now paddle boarding. That's right, that's <laughs> right. We've, we've started to uh, grow the business into what you can do on the water. So mm. we can now offer, as well as recreational boats for people to come and use, uh, they can hire some SUPs from us, uh, stand-up paddle boards, sorry. <laughs> and uh, kayaks as well if they wish to go out on those. Uh, we've got a, a self-launch option that's available for people to bring their own kayaks yeah. or SUPs. Uh, and there are also instructor-led sessions available. And it's all with a safety cover with a, a professional water sports instructor. Wow, so there's plenty to do here. Loads to do. <laughs> now, Kim, this must be an incredible place to spot wildlife as well. It is, absolutely. I mean, we have quite a bit of wildlife here. You can see hares, otters and um, North Wales Wildlife Trust have the reserve of the land to the north of the lake and between Gorsmine Fluid, our reserve and Clinbrenig, we have clocked 56 species of birds. You know, those moors look barren and nothing on them but believe me there's wildlife there and at the moment we're hearing the cuckoos like mad oh really yeah. oh i hope we can hear it um but there's one particular species that you're very lucky to have here at Llinbrenig. yeah the ospreys we are so lucky it's the only nest the in northeast wales wow. there's seven nests now in wales but we're the only one in the northeast and they are incredibly amazing birds mm. they're rare and to watch them through the cameras and we're learning so much about the behaviour and you know it is just an education for people to yeah. come and visit and watch them and see them because a lot of people they've seen them on TV and they come here and they just go wow I've actually seen an osprey yes. yeah and this is the experience that between Welsh Water and North Wales Wildlife Trust we are now giving them mm. and they go on quite a journey when they migrate don't they oh my goodness yes they what? are British birds because um, they hatched here mm -hmm. they're called British Migratory and they make this journey up to 4,000 miles to West Africa uh, we know our male goes to the Gambia because we have photographs of him there this is unusual it's just lucky we know somebody who's yeah. caught him mm. there and we have a photographs of a few others me female we don't know where she goes nor the chicks she's a bit more mysterious um, <laughs> We're just hoping somebody comes up with a photograph one yes, day. Yes, of course, yeah. The interesting thing is, though, as the world generally is getting a bit warmer, that some ospreys now are not going further than the southern tip of Spain and Portugal. Oh, they don't and they're the overwintering need. there. It yeah. used to be about 5%, but each year that 
percentage is creeping up. So that is something interesting we're keeping an eye on. And so both Dŵr Cymru and the North Wales Wildlife Trust are very active in encouraging them to breed. How did you get them to nest here in the first place? Well, we could give Welsh Water the credit for that. Um, <laughs> they put up... Nick um, there smiling. <laughs> yeah, they put up three nest platforms in 2013 and a further two in 2015. And it is one of those in 2015 that we had our first breeding pair in 2018. This was something um, Roy Dennis started in the 1960s because man-made platforms are stronger and they survive gales far better than their own made nests. So it is a real plus for them. Um, Since then, we've been involved um, in a partnership, Mm. uh, making sure that um, they're safe here and that they do breed. Yeah. So it's been a successful programme. I would say so, yes. I would definitely say so. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's just so many people now are coming up to see them and the locals are so proud of them. So how, what is the best way to see them then? Here at Llynbrenig, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, we have three different places that you can visit them. Each place offers something different. So you start off the visitor centre here where there's a dedicated room to them. Um, They can see um, the history of ospreys in Britain, how they came to Llynbrenig and a little bit about Llynbrenig ospreys Mm -hmm. here. There's a live feed here. And then there's a lookout, which is run by North Wales Wildlife Trust. We have four high-powered scopes that they can see the kilometre across the water to the nest. Mm. They can see them on the perches. Um, We've got tree stumps where they perch and we can see them on the camera perch. So you can get a good overall view of them. We've also got a centre there where we've got a lot of information about ospreys. We've got pictures of them in the Gambia. So as you can see, the difference in lifestyle between the nesting, their breeding ground in North Wales and their wintering ground in the Gambia, it is like chalk and cheese. Wow. Um, So people are really interested in that. And the third site is you can actually book the height. This is... um, Another thing Welsh Water did, Mm. we've got a hide 150 metres from the nest, which is very sensitive. um, So it needs to be booked through Welsh Water. And there are very limited number of people there, but you have magnificent views from there. Again, we have three gimbals to put cameras on Mm. uh, for photographers. And we also have binoculars available for people and a high-powered scope there. Wow. Wow, so there is so much to see and do here then at Llynbrenig. Nick, what's the best plan for someone visiting for the first time? I think the easiest way is, is if people to look on the website, which mm. is slimbrenig.com, yep. then all the things that are available, you can see them on there, you can book them and make sure that um, you've got a slot available for you when you come. Yep. Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Nick and Kim. It's been a pleasure and Llynbrenig is just breathtaking. Well, thank thank you. you. It's been a real pleasure talking to you about them. Diachwal. We've now reached the eastern edge of the Hiraithog area before you hit the Cluiden Range and the Dee Valley area of outstanding natural beauty. And I'm here on the A5 at the magnificent Rhyg Estate with Pete Locke and Gareth Jones. Tell us about the history of this incredible estate. 
Well, it obviously goes back a long way. You know, the family have been here many generations. I actually started working here in 1993 and worked for Lord Newborough's father for five years. Okay. We discussed, you know, the various ways the uh, farm should be going after his passing and looked at various options and obviously organic was the one that was chosen. Yeah. I mean, Lord Newborough was very interested in uh, organic food yeah. and used to buy quite a lot of food himself in those days. Yeah. So we became organic here in October 2000. Oh, wow. And you've never looked back? No, and you know it's been a, a heck of a journey, really. You know it's been yeah. very interesting, and you know I've been fortunate to be involved in it all, really. Being organic and sustainable is really important to the Hugh Estate, then, isn't it? Well, absolutely. You know, and that's the ethos we've built the whole business on, yeah. really. You know, and and that's the natural progression is convert the farm to organic. You know, and all our produce mm. off the farm is then organic. Yeah. Um, so that was 2000. The, the shop opened on the site, which is sort of a couple of mobile trailers, in mm. 2002. The wholesale business started in 2004. Uh, we bought more land back in hand in 2006. Mm. And this shop we're sitting in now was built in 2011. Oh, and, I see. and so there's that natural progression yeah. of you know, how the business has built up over the years. What is it about the food and drink that you sell here that sets it above what you might get in the supermarket? So we've got complete trace of origin of all the food that we produce on the oh, farm. Oh, right, okay. Which is obviously a massive benefit. And obviously there's not many supermarkets that you could go to in North Wales where you can get bison. No, no, so that's a major selling point. One of the things that point. is a major pull for the shop yeah. is the bison. And obviously that's a big part of the farm that Gareth operates, And when you drive obviously. past Trigger State, you, yeah, can, you see can see them, them can I see them every yeah, day. Yeah. yeah. But obviously that organic message that Gareth was just talking about transfers into everything that we do. So a lot of the shop now is organic. Mm. Um, a lot of the producers that we deal with, you know, they're all organic as well now. Yeah. And it's not just food and drink that you produce, though, is it? Uh, no, you know, over the years, you know, we've gone and diversified and produced, yep. you know, lots of different other things. And, you know, recently formed the Regwell Beauty business, you know, skincare yes. products. As you can Got tell. a few products myself at home. Peter and I don't, uh, don't use any of them. Really? Your skin is glowing. <laughs> if we do, they don't work. And what are your best sellers? Do you know what your best sellers are? Salt Marsh Lamb is one of the best Ooh, sellers okay. in the But also, in the last two years, we've seen this huge upsurge in honey. So we have our own house on the estate. Yeah. We've got three types of different honey that we um, stock, and that is very, 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 very popular. Oh, wow. Very popular. You have stockists all over the UK, even Harrods, am I right? In yes, the UK? absolutely. You know, and, and that's the important part. You know, it, we're catering for the sort of top 5% of the market. Yeah. We're not sort of piling it high, selling it cheap. Mm. It's all quality, you know, high mm. value. And if you're going to produce food of quality, it has to be good quality, yeah. you know, because we're selling to the discerning sort of chefs and, and restaurants all over the world, basically. Yeah. And along the way, you've won a few awards. Sort of one of the most most prestigious ones we had was in 2013, as far as I'm concerned, which the uh, Farmers Weekly Diversification Farmer of the Year. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the same year was the overall Farmer of the Year, oh, which yeah. is, you know, quite a feather in Lord Newborough's cap, yes. really. And we've also, you know, through over the years, we've been very successful in gaining the Royal Warrant. 
oh, you know, which yeah. again is uh, is good for publicity. What else can visitors see and do on the Riga estate then? We obviously have our farm walk where people can come walk around the estate, but we're moving more into creating an event for when people want to come to the farm shop. So to make them linger longer, we're looking at doing more of events. Okay. So for example, this October will be the first time that we've done a pumpkin patch. Oh. So we're doing a pick your own pumpkin field across the road here. Yeah. And we're looking at people coming here and maybe um, staying on the estate. Yeah. So we're looking into maybe doing glamping, pods out the back here, mm. or maybe even converting some of our old chicken sheds yeah. into, you know, people for accommodation. We're also developing the front of the terrace here. So we've got access to it 24-7, 365 days a year. So we won't be weather dependent any longer. Yes. Which is a real benefit. So do you think North Wales is punching above its weight for the quality of its food and drink? I think we do. You know, I mean, it, it's people come here for the scenery, the mountains, yeah. the, the coastline. And I think over the past you know, 20 or 30 years, the food and drink industry in Wales has developed such yes. a, yeah. a massive amount, really. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, it, it has put the country on the map, yeah. really. And, you know, and I think we've still got quite a way to go. Mm. Um, as an industry, I don't think we're very good at promoting ourselves. Yeah. You know, you just... Modest. tend to rely on yeah. other people to do it mm. and moan when it doesn't happen you know yeah. well come on boys you know get on with it yeah thank you so much both of you I've uh, enjoyed getting no Rieke Estate I pass it every day actually and I'll uh, be sure to wave to the bisons Dear Gwaur I hope that has given you a taste of just some of the incredible attractions here in the Hreithog region of North Wales There's so much more to explore too. Head to gonorthwales.co.uk to find out more. Remember to hit subscribe and rate the podcast. From me, Mick and Llyn at the Rhyg Estate. Hopefully see you soon here in North Wales. Gwylfawr! <laughs>